0: All right, let's talk about birthday parties. You guys like birthday parties? Especially during COVID, birthday parties, everything's changed, right? So birthday parties, and I want to know just out of curiosity here, who's got the closest birthday to today? Does anybody have a birthday in August? When's your birthday? Okay, that's pretty close. Anybody closer than the 7th? What's today, 16th? Nine days? That's pretty good. Did you have a birthday party? Oh, boy. You had to think about it. How old are you? I'm just kidding. Don't answer that, please. Tell me how much you weigh. What's your blood? I'm just kidding. All right. Oh, birthday parties are, are kind of fun, and they're interesting. And uh, Surprise birthday parties are always fun, aren't they? I've had a couple of those. My wife uh, has done a few of those for me over the years. One time when I turned 40, she uh, every decade, she's kind of done some big embarrassing thing. There's another... Decade coming up here. Got your work cut out for you. Um, I want you to imagine your own birthday party for a minute. I want you to imagine that you go to your, it's not a surprise, you know it's happening. You go to your own birthday party. You walk in and there's a nice little banner that says, Happy Birthday with your name on it. There's balloons everywhere. All your friends are there. Your family's there. You're all like hanging out. And you get there, the party's already kind of started, but you walk in, and no one says hello, no one says happy birthday, they never sing. In fact, they have a cake for you there with your name on it and everything. But no one ever really acknowledges that it's your birthday. And as the night goes on, you think, all right, it's coming, it's coming, and nothing happens. And they start eating your cake, and they start opening your gifts even. And then everyone just leaves, and they actually take your presence with them. That'd be a strange birthday party, wouldn't it? And we're talking about rhythms today. And uh, we're here today, and I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but I know we've got people online watching and others that may see this at some point. But what I just described in that birthday party is what a worship experience, a lot of times, really turns out to be for the recipient of our worship. Because here's, here's the reality. None of us are here um, for any other reason, hopefully, than to be worshiping God. But what a lot of times we, we get into this trap and this rhythm of, of gathering, of being here, and we believe that we're here for ourselves. And I believe that's the temptation that we face. Now, here's the one thing I want you to remember today, is that if you enter into worship to be filled, you will leave empty. But if you enter into worship to be emptied, then you will leave filled. And here's here's the reality today. Worship is about emptying ourselves. It's about giving. This is not our party today. We're not here for us and and over the next few minutes you may disagree with me you may i may make some of you upset and so listen don't send your angry emails send your angry emails to me and if you want to know what my email is i'll tell you later but uh, you may be you may disagree with what i'm going to say you may be challenged i hope that you're challenged i hope that you think And I hope that you can track with me for the next few minutes because I think that what we're going to talk about today could fundamentally change the way you understand what we're doing here right now at this moment. And I don't want to over-understate it, but I believe it's that significant what we're going to talk about here this morning out of the Scripture. So um, it turned out to be a beautiful day. There's a little wind here, but um, thank God for the nice weather. And I just want to say... um, just on behalf of like my family, my wife, Arianna, and two of our daughters are here. Just what a privilege it is to to be here today. We just live right across the street in Planter's Row. Anybody? Any neighbors here today? All right, cool. Good to see you guys. And, uh, and so this is our community, and we're just blessed by John and Lindsay. Lindsay and I work together, and uh, I've known John for a long time, and love your pastor. We love them like our family, and so we really... grateful to have them in our lives and we're grateful to to just have some moments here today and um, can't wait to share some things with you here today so let's talk about rhythms for a minute and let's talk about gatherings cuz you know gatherings have become controversial right they've become kind of interesting in the situation that we're in and here's the opportunity that we have right now we have an opportunity to really going through this whole COVID deal, we have an opportunity to, to, to reset some things. I believe that God is resetting some things. And let me just stop here and say that, um, that I, through this whole situation and leading up to it, I... Uh, God's been doing a work deep in my life for for a few years. And when we came into COVID, I feel like it just burst and came alive. And here's the work that he's been doing. Is he's taken me personally from being a pessimistic believer to an optimistic believer. And I will tell you that a few years ago, if you were to ask me, do you think that is really working in our culture? Do you believe that that the church is growing? Do you believe that the Spirit of God is alive? And do you believe that God is doing some great things? I would have said, um, I'm not sure. But I would say today that what the Lord's been doing in me is the Lord has been working in my life and helping me understand that what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, the gates of hell will not prevail against the unstoppable kingdom of God. I believe that's true today. I believe that that the Lord is doing something in our world and in our time right now that we've never seen before and we are living through history and we have the opportunity to be a part of something so amazing and we can miss out by getting distracted by things that I believe really don't matter, that take us away from the main things. And you know, we've all got our opinions about what's happening. We've all got our different ideas about what is happening around us, about masks, about our government leaders, and about all this stuff. And what I want to say is that the Lord has really taken me to a place where I am asking Him to show me what He is doing, because He is doing something amazing right now. And I think one of the most sad things to think about is that we would— have our face in the sand and miss what is happening and what God's doing around us. Because I believe that it's truly remarkable. And we may never see another opportunity like this in our lifetime. So in the midst of all that gathering together, what does that not only look like, but but what does it mean for us here as as people? And, and I'm going to say this. Like, I'm not going to necessarily assume that you're all followers of Jesus and everyone watching online. But If you are, let me speak to you about this, about why gathering is important. Now, Luke 4.16 gives us uh, some insight into Jesus' life. And this this scripture always stuck out to me, because it tells us a lot in just four simple words. And it says this, um, it says that... uh, It says, he went to Nazareth, speaking about Jesus, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went into the synagogue. Here are the four words. As was his custom. Luke 4, 16. So he went on the Sabbath day and he went into the synagogue as was his custom. That, those four words speak volumes to us about the rhythms of Jesus and our rhythms. As followers of Jesus, we want to be like him. We want to follow him, and so we want to do what he does. Now, we could stop right there, and that, in some ways, should be good enough for us because that's what he did, and we need to do the same thing. Now, you could say that's, you know, that's before he died and resurrected. That's Old Covenant. We could get into some really deep theological ideas here. But let's just step back for a minute. It says it was the Sabbath. There was a rhythm of Sabbath that was established. You know, we see that in the, uh, in the Ten Commandments, don't we? Honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Set apart the Sabbath. Okay, so we know that. And again, some people would say, Jeff, that's Old Testament. That's old stuff. We're under grace. We're under the law. We don't have to do that. But let me step back even further. That Before the law was given, before the Ten Commandments existed, let's go back to the beginning of Genesis. When it was all made, and it says that God on the seventh day rested, and he called us as his people to do the same. So we see this rhythm of rest. We see this rhythm of worship. We see this rhythm of taking one day out of seven and setting it apart. We see that from the very beginning, pre-law. We see that, and that is a universal truth, I believe, for, for us as his people, is we are meant to set aside this day to worship Him, and to focus on Him, and to think about Him. And even though uh, maybe that should be enough for for a lot of us, it may not be. So let's go a little further. Hebrews, in Hebrews 13, it says this. There's a context here that's happening in this passage. And uh, the context is, Hebrews is about Jesus as our high priest, and it's about sacrifice. And, you know, all of Scripture, it talks about the sacrifice that that was made in the Old Testament, that Jesus made on our behalf. And Hebrews 13, 15 says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. It says, let us offer a sacrifice, but let us offer a sacrifice of praise. Now, we read that in our 20th century, 2020 context, but let's go back a minute to the original audience here. The author of Hebrews is saying, the sacrificial system did not end with Jesus. Okay, worship is about sacrifice. And so the sacrificial system, when Jesus died, we, you know, the Jewish... um, Faith today no longer does sacrifice. And we as followers of Jesus, you know, we don't adhere to those practices. But we still are called to sacrifice. We're called to gather together and to bring a sacrifice of praise through our lives and through our gatherings. And gatherings are super important. So the sacrificial system continued on, but it changed. And there's something about sacrifice. There's something about us offering ourselves to him. You know, in in Matthew 10, Jesus said, uh, whoever is worthy of me will take up their cross and follow me. He says he wants to save his life will lose it, but he wants to lose his life will save it. So what does that mean? Well, in terms of worship, what that means is we are called to empty ourselves. We are called to empty out our lives so that God can fill us up. And that's the great thing as believers, is that we are meant to be filled up with this Holy Spirit of God. We are meant to be filled up with this thing that, that leads us to live, live a totally different life. It leads us to come here in moments like this for totally different reasons. Than what other people might expect. Now, I grew up. Uh, I don't know if this would relate to you, but I grew up where our family regularly went to to worship services and worship gatherings. In fact, I live right next to a door to the church in a neighborhood kind of like this. And so, um, for a while, we lived kind of a few neighborhoods over, and then I moved right next to the church. And so, I'd walk over there on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesdays and whenever we kind of met, I was there. And so being raised that way, I realized without even thinking about it, that um, I realized that, that that gathering, I felt like more and more, "Oh, this is good. I get to come and hear some good teaching. I get to come and see my friends and get together. And I suddenly began to fall into this rhythm of believing that this gathering was for me. I thought the birthday party was for me. I thought this was about me so that I could leave and be a, a better person. But see, if we think that way, we've got to understand what the Scripture says about worship. It's about sacrifice. It's about emptying. You know, if you go back to the Old Testament, when they came to, to worship, now this is pre-Jesus, this is sacrificial system days, they would bring things, literally, physically, to, to bring and to, to leave there as a sacrifice. Financial cost, financial sacrifice, time sacrifice, gathering together to do this. Now, when I uh, went into the, the pastoral work uh, a long time ago, I was, I was made aware of some different ideas. And one of the ideas back in the day, and this was kind of made popular by um, some large churches that began doing this in the 70s and 80s, It was called Seeker-Driven Ministry. And so what I became aware of is that, you know, our gatherings here are really meant for the benefit of seekers. And so I became aware of that, and there are a lot of amazing ministries over the years that were built on this premise that we gather together. And the idea is to introduce people to Jesus, and people are there seeking, and we need to be thinking about them. And really, this gathering is for their benefit. Now, there's a lot of good things to that, but I also found that in these gatherings, there were other people there as well. And so as I kind of got immersed into that idea as a young pastor in my 20s, and I began to think about that, and I kind of bought into that for a while, and as I got older, I realized, you know, there's a whole other segment of people that believe that this gathering isn't for seekers that this gathering is for believers it's for equipping the saints like paul says that that we're be equipped to go out and to do the work so so this really this gathering is for the benefit of believers so i thought about that and i'm like well yeah that that makes sense and so i had some people here saying well this is it's for the gathering this gathering is for the benefit of seekers and i had other people saying no this this gathering is for the benefit of believers and I felt that tension. In fact, I worked at a church for a while that had people on both sides of that. Now, that was that that caused some tension sometimes because we had discussions about what we were doing when we gathered here, and some people say, "No, we need to really be thinking about people that are seekers that are that need to come to Christ and and surrender to Him." And others would say, "No." We're not here for that. We're here for believers. We're here for their benefit. We're here to lift them up and to build them up and to, and to get good teaching into them so they can go out and change the world. And so while I was thinking about those two things for a long time, I began to think about why are we here? Why do we do this every week? Why are you here right now? What's, what's your purpose and point in being here right now at this moment? And if you're watching online, you know, why are you doing this? Why we gathered here together. And I would say to you that something that changed my life forever was understanding that when I gather here, God is not calling me to do this. God's not calling me to do this for me. Now, that may sound completely foreign to your opposite, but hear me out for a second. That this sacrifice that we give, that we're here, that this isn't our party. This is his party, and we're here for him. We're here to actually bless God. And you know what I found is that once that clicked in me, once I began to understand the opportunity, once I began to understand the opportunity to gather every week and to not think about my own needs, but to think about his, it changed my relationship with, with my community of faith. It changed my, my outlook on what I was doing. It changed my perspective and my attitude. It changed my focus. And above all else, it changed my relationship with God because I realized how significant of a change that was, that I wasn't here for my own benefit. Now, ironically, when I, that shift happened in my life and I began to show up and, and really go vertical I realized how much that filled me up, that when I emptied myself, then when I wasn't there to go, okay, man, I hope the preacher's good today, because if he's not funny, or she's not entertaining enough, or whatever it is, if I'm just, you know, not in a good mood, if they don't give me what I need, then I'll just go somewhere else, and I'll just get what I need. And, and what's really interesting about that is, if you really think about what that is, at its core, that's idolatry. Because what idolatry is, is idolatry is taking something and using it for your own benefit. It's do it's using something, it's putting something else above God. And we can put even these worship gatherings in ourselves, we can put them above who God is. And you know, there's nothing that can help us understand, in my opinion, what it means to... to kind of drive that selfish motive out of yourself at least the greatest tool in my life has been marriage and uh marriage is one of those things that that's taught me so much about just purging god has used it to to over the years purge um my life of selfishness now my wife's here so i got to be really careful so i got to be good but you know over the years like when i first got married i i lived in um a family with with three brothers, no girls. My mom eventually just kind of became one of us. You know what I mean? And it was just like nobody ever cried. There was no, we would like sometimes get into verbal and sometimes even physical altercations, but then in five minutes it was over. And then I married into a family where there was only daughters, and I realized that sometimes people cry. It actually does happen. And then God blessed me with three daughters. And along the way, you know, having these three girls growing up, it's amazing how much crying there is in the house, like every day. And, uh, you know, my girls ask me, like, Dad, why do you cry all the time? It's like, it's because i got to watch Frozen 538 times. You, maybe you'll get it one day. Um, but being married and going through that journey... You know, when your spouse says to you, get up in the middle of the night and check on that strange noise. And you don't want to do it because, number one, you don't want to get up. And number two, you don't want to die. If there is somebody there, right, I'm just, just stay in bed where it's comfortable and nice. But you, you start to learn in these different ways through marriage, through other things, where God helps us understand it's not about us. You know, I've been so freed by this idea of offering a sacrifice and going to empty myself. Because that's what this rhythm that we're doing is all about. And I really hope and my prayer for this morning for all of us here and those of us watching and connected to this community and beyond is that there would be a revolution in the church. There'd be a revolution where we'd understand that this it's not about our selfish desires, it's not about even our preferences or what songs that we like or what speaking style or whatever if it's entertaining. Like if we're here to say God, we're not about those things. We don't care as much about that as we do about, are you blessed today by us being here? Is our heart focused on Him? Are we thinking about what we're going to do later? Are we thinking, do I want to be here? Do I want to just do whatever? Besides being here together in his presence. And you may say, yeah, this is great. And I know I'm talking to you and some of you are watching online. It's like, what do we do during these times when gathering looks weird? And I'm saying this is an opportunity for a reset for us. This is an opportunity for us to consider what are we doing? There's some big questions being asked today by the church throughout the world, but specifically here in America What does the gathering look like? Why should we do it? Do we need to do gatherings? There are people asking some big questions today. Because I know for a lot of us, we would say, I can just not take the time to do this and still connect. I remember hearing someone from a church from another state, and another pastor told me that, that someone that had never physically been to their church, they they sent in a message, they sent an email to the church, and he said, I'm so grateful to be a part of this congregation. I feel so connected. Never having been there physically. And I thought to myself, is the world changing in a way where we don't have to physically gather anymore? And I'm going to give you my opinion. This doesn't reflect the views of Center Church or Pastor John or whatever. I'm going to give you, as a guest, I'm going to give you my opinion here. I believe that physical gatherings are more important than they've ever been. I believe that gathering together is one of the things that holds us together as a community, but there's something unique that happens when we gather together. I know there's a lot of talk about people today, and they go, you know, we don't go to church, we are the church, and we don't need to gather together. And while there's theological, there's sprinkles of truth in that, that yes, we are the church, and yes, we are the living temple, the Holy Spirit. And everywhere we go, God goes with us because he is dwelling in our spirits and our, even our physical bodies. The scripture talks about that very clearly. But listen, is it a coincidence that in my 30 years of being a pastor, that every single time I've seen a person fall away from their faith, it began with one common denominator every time without exception. And here it is. They became less connected to a rhythm of gathering. And it started off small. It started off, oh, you know, we're I'm gone for the weekend, or I just slept in, or it was raining, or it was cold, or it was snowing, or the... You know, it was weather-related, or I got in late, or whatever. And then it started small. And, and listen, it happens every time. I think about all the students I work with over the years as a youth pastor. And I think of one in particular, one of my favorite students of all the thousands I work with. His name was John Gorvett. I'm, I'm just kidding, he wasn't. No, he, you were. You were one of my favorites. I can say that now. Another student. I'm not going to say his name, but he was amazing, talented, charismatic. He had so much going for him, and he graduated, and he moved to another state, another city, and I stayed very connected with this young man, and I was a little worried about him. And so I talked to him all the time, and I said, are you are you involved in a, in a community of faith? Are you going to church? Yep. Going to church, and he would go out and he would play uh, music and travel and things. And he would get back sometimes at five in the morning and still be going to church. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm so glad. After a little bit of time, after a couple years, I noticed, yeah, you know, I'm gone this weekend. I'm traveling. I'm doing this, and less and less, he began connecting to a community of faith. He was wasn't committed. He wasn't involved in, in anything. He wasn't known. And then, fast forward a few years later, completely walked away from his faith. And I could tell you that story a thousand times in different ways. It all started with the common denominator. And I think a lot of times we make excuses and we say, well, you know, we're doing this and we're doing that. And we've got this going on in our life. And listen, I can, I can relate. I can understand you know, I haven't been a local church pastor for 10 years, and so I didn't get paid to go to church anymore. So I could do whatever I wanted. And I will tell you that a few years ago, I found myself on a Sunday morning in a gym over in Granville at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning watching one of my daughters play volleyball. And I looked at my watch, and I realized it was 11 o'clock. My whole life, I'd been in church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And here I am watching my daughter play volleyball. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so clearly at that moment said, what are you doing? Why are you here? And I realized that things like travel leagues have become idols for our families. And I know that may upset some of you, and you may think that's terrible, and you don't, you don't know my situation, but I'm just going to be as black and white as I can here. That things like travel leagues and like the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and the MLB, sports and leisure and all these things that we do for ourselves in themselves aren't bad things. But I believe one of the things that God is showing the church, especially in America, is that we have set apart and set above things, above just getting together to gather for his name because this isn't about us because you know what i mean any of us can go online we can listen to great teaching we can hear great music anytime that we want but there's something about gathering here together you know the author of hebrews in hebrews 13 says let us not forsake the gathering together especially as we see the day approaching let me remind you something jesus is coming again and I believe he's coming soon. Will we be ready? Will we be ready for that moment? And as we, as we consider that, as we're going to worship again, I want to remind you of where we started. Is that if we enter into worship to be filled, we're going to leave empty today. But if we've brought our best to this moment and this rhythm that we have, If we bring our best, if we come wanting to be emptied, we'll leave filled up. And I'd love the privilege of praying for you, our community, and Center Church this morning. Father, what a privilege to gather together, Lord. I thank you for the power of your word that reminds us of why we gather. Lord, that um, sacrifice of praise that we offer is so important. It's a part of the fabric of our being. And Lord, through this time of reset, Lord, would you help us to consider why we're here and why we're doing this. It's not for ourselves, Lord. We want to bless you today. And thank you for that truth in Jesus' name. Amen.